You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money, so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education. Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined today by David Eby. David is an author and certified executive advisor. In this episode, we'll be discussing why it's important for families to prioritize making a will to keep their bond intact in times of family crisis. David, welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Tony, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you on today. So, you know, as we get started, you know, let's let's take a look. What is your origin story. How did you get started as a certified executor advisor? Well, I've been a certified executive advisor in, in the financial planning industry for over 35 years in uh, Montreal, Canada. And um, my book uh, and my story, how we ended up having this conversation, it's um, it's because of the book that I wrote during COVID uh, entitled Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate, Pick an Executor and Avoid Family Fights. And um, it, as I said, it came about about um, because of my particular story, where it took seven years, ten court appearances, and fifty thousand dollars to settle my parents' estate, and my parents had a will. So during that time, that was about ten years ago. During that time, anytime I would talk about my what I was going through to uh, clients or um, you know other people, I'd hear about one more executor who was having problems with beneficiaries, or I'd, I'd hear about a family that, that was no longer speaking anymore. So I didn't want anybody else to go through what I did. So I, I wrote the book. And um, it's been, you know, everybody loves it. It's been getting rave reviews in US and Canada. And it's because, because of the topic. And I know you've done a lot of episodes. And before we went on, we started talking. And I told you, this is going to be probably the least sexiest topic that people want to talk about. And that's about death and estate planning. But spoiler alert, it's going to happen to all of us. So what I like to talk about is how to leave a legacy and not a legacy and a mess um, for the family that you leave behind. Yeah, I I think this is such an important topic. And as you mentioned, it may not be the most exciting topic, but it is a critical topic. I, I know that personally, I went through this when my mother died is um, I was named as the executor and it, it was a little bit, uh, it caused some tension between my sister and I um, on exactly how we should proceed. And so it's something, you know, that you have to have that conversation while you can. Uh, and if you don't have it, I, I mean, are you finding that, you know, communication is such an important part of this conversation? That is the key, but let's back it up. Um, what's great about what your mom did have was a is a will and, and an estate plan. And, you know, US and in Canada, probably 60% or more of Americans and Canadians don't have an estate or a will. So kudos to your mom to having that, um, you know, having the will in place. She named you as executor. But where the problems and you, you said that you had, uh, you know, your sister had issues with you, where your mom and my parents um, fell down when it came to this uh, this part of the um, equation was that they never had the conversations with us. Um, in my case, 
you know, as an advisor, I knew my parents had a will and one other sibling knew they had the will. But the third sibling did know the will. But we always assumed because everything was going to be split three ways that that shouldn't be an issue. But once the will came up, one the one sibling uh, protested and that's how we ended up being in court. They did everything they could to sabotage, um, you know, the settling of the estate. So that's how we ended up with, you know, spending over $50,000 in lawyer's fees. And that's because our parents didn't have the have the conversation with us. And it's quite common today that um, you look at the different types of family dynamics. You know, every family starts out to be perfect, but every family has its own little issues. And, you know, you don't really see them until there's a death in the family or an une- unexpected emergency that things might come out and you start to see people in a different way. I always say you never really know about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. And clearly when I was sitting in court, I literally was having an out-of-body experience thinking that my parents were clearly rolling in their graves, spinning in their graves because their three children were in court battling over their assets. And, you know, because of that situation, we no longer own the assets that my parents owned and we haven't collectively, the three children haven't spent a holiday together over the last 10 years. Well, so it, it did have a lasting effect. And, you know, and I know that it's had a lasting effect, uh, you know, for my sister and I, it, it changed the dynamic. And um, I think that's so important. And one of the things you mentioned is having the conversations sooner. So why is it important to have these conversations sooner rather than later? Well, people, when it comes to this situation, they're either going to avoid or they're going to procrastinate or they take the view, well, I'm dead. What does it matter? But if you don't take any action whatsoever, you're now putting your family at risk to being disorganized and in chaos. And um, there's three types of families. There's the family that's going to bury their head and do nothing, or there's going to be the family like um, you and I have where there was a will, but there was no conversation, and they let the paperwork do the talking after, and then there's, you know, there's the conflict because now there's a misinterpretation because there was no conversation by saying, hey, this is what I want done. And then there's a third kind of family that's going to have conversations over time, let people understand this is what I want and even though you may not like it, this is what I, I, I see for the future. So it's it's a problem for everyone, but it starts by first have, making sure that you, you have a will. And then if you have a will, prepare your executor for the difficulties um, that they're going to um, in, in, they're going to come across. For, for anybody who's chosen to be an executor, it's the biggest favor that you're going to be asked. You're probably looking to spend anywhere to over 100 hours of your work, uh, working hours because you're going to have to take time off from work to do certain things. And it could take anywhere from 18 to 24 months. In my case, it took seven years to settle an estate. So you, you, you want to have your, your, your will and you want to make sure that you prepare your executor for what's coming down the the pike in terms of setting them up for the least amount of headaches as possible with beneficiaries. Yeah, that that's great. Um, 
Yeah, and you said something that really resonated with me is don't let the paperwork do the talking is I think that's a huge issue is communication um, you know, with estate planning and with many other issues is that people don't uh, provide the context is that paperwork is fine and things in writing is fine, but there's usually not the full context that you can have in a conversation with somebody and the ability to ask questions. Um, and to, to answer questions, you know, like, why are you doing it this way? Um, and, and for people to put up their concerns, because, you know, in your situation, in my situation, that might have changed things. If, um, you know, our siblings have been able to voice their concerns uh, prior to the death, because death is super emotional. Um, so, yeah. It, it's I, super I, emotional, but... If your mom or my mom and dad had the conversations with the children and say, this is what we want, respect what we we're asking to be done. And if there's problems while they're still alive, they can kind of quell those disagreements. And they, they may be upset, but at the end of the day, it's your parents' estate. It's your mom's estate. It's my parents' estate. They can do whatever they want. It's not up to the kids to say, well, I want and I don't dis um, I don't agree with it, which is a common problem today. Um, in during the research for my book, I had I was speaking to a mediator and he says before children used to fight over the estate when the parents have died. And now he's now being called in to uh, you know, use his services to have fights while the parents are alive over their money. And it's funny, like I said before, you don't, don't know about anybody until you have to share an estate with them. And people, when it comes to a being a beneficiary, um, you know, or you're expecting an inheritance, there's a sense of entitlement and people change the way they are. You might think, you know, I, I know in my case, um, you know, we're in court and I'm thinking about, you know, the, the lawyers and the judges, people who had nothing to do with our family were making the decisions about my parents' assets and how we three children were going to move forward. And I just thought about these people were never at our, you know, Christmas table. They weren't there uh, family vacations. They weren't there. But now they're, you know, they're getting paid to make the decisions for our family. And if anything, as I said before, it came down to my parents not saying what they wanted. And um, that's the difficult thing that family members, like the matriarch or the patriarch or the mother or the father of the family, they have the most trouble with is that they feel that they're going to hurt the feelings of the kids and they'd rather not deal with that. Whereas they're better off hurting their feelings and letting them know that, you know, this is your one last wish and this is the way you want things to go and move on from there. But that's where the problems uh, arise, is, is the lack of communication. Because, again, it's not a subject that people want to talk about. Yeah, and nobody wants to hurt uh, one of their kids' feelings um, because money does change how people interact with each other. It's unfortunate, but it's, it's reality. You know, so, you know, do, do you have any steps to or would recommend, you know, 
what specific steps could people follow to start this conversation with their family? Well, you, 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 it's, a, it's going to be an ongoing process. You can't decide, well, this upcoming Thanksgiving, you know, while we're sitting at the table, um, by the way, kids, I'm only I'm leaving only 50% of my assets to you, Johnny. Can you pass the can you pass the turkey? You can't do that. What I suggest is is that yes, you're all together, that maybe you hold that sort of conversation after you know dinner, maybe a couple hours later, if people are gonna be there for a little longer, maybe a day after, and sit everybody down and say, you know what? Um, I've made some changes to my will and and I've updated it. And I've, um, this is who my executor is, and this is who I chose as my, my executor, and this is um, the reason I chose them. And, you know, this is what my thoughts are of how I'd like my estate to be, you know, dissolved. Um, you know, some kids may not want to listen and they may walk away, and then you have to gauge that and say, okay, it's going to be an ongoing process, but you can't expect it's going to be the first, you know, that first conversation you're going to have. And then that should be the end of it. It's going to be an ongoing process. Um, you also want to say, you know what, you want to make it easier on the executor. You want to make, um, you want to put together a folder. In the book, I talk about having a bright red folder or a bright yellow folder, and you let them know where it's going to be found. Because when there's a death or an unexpected emergency, people are going to be traumatized. And you can't find things when people are traumatized. So if you say, you know what, look for that bright red folder in there, you're going to find the will. You're going to find the lawyer's name, the accountant, the funeral, my funeral, um, uh, you know, what I set up for my funeral, pre-planned funeral. And another thing that we should talk about are digital assets. You know, for every individual that has a email address, there's probably about 100 or 160 different digital identities associated with that email address. So that could be Netflix, your online banking, it could be uh, YouTube, you know, your Gmail accounts, you know, uh, how do someone, you know, these sort of things you have to have written out in terms of your digital assets, which was not an issue 25, 30 years ago, we're both young men, but we can remember when we were growing up, that wasn't an issue. But now it is today. So you need to have a list of all your digital assets in that bright red folder to make it easier for someone if they have to go into, you know, um, your, your, your phone, your, your computer, or your, your iPad to get things done. And on top of that, social media. Everybody has social media accounts. A friend of mine who his buddy passed away two years ago, but he's still getting reminders that it's his birthday. This is what's happened on this date. And my friend knows full well that the person's passed away. It's just that the executor doesn't know how to turn off or memorialize, you know, Facebook, for example. Every social media outlet has its own protocol in terms of how to shut down an account if someone was to pass away. So digital assets are another important thing that you want to help prepare the executor to know what to do when things happen. Yeah, no, yeah, digital assets. You know, my mind was thinking is, you know, also, the, the part that makes that even more complicated is that websites are constantly saying, hey, you need to change your password. And, you know, I, I use a Mac. And so, you know, Safari stores them. But it's like, okay, well, how could my executor access Safari? Because even if I put them in a spreadsheet, 
I may not remember to always put in that most recent password. And so, you know, I, I think with digital assets, something is going to have to change where that information will be more easily accessible because I, I you know, I, I just don't know if people are going to keep up uh, their list. Well, I mean, what, I mean, what are you encountering with that? The, you know, there's the old fashioned way where you're going to, you know, put it in a spreadsheet. Um, but like you're saying, you know, that could change. There are some online solutions where it could be kept in the cloud um, and there's, you know, high security. So all of those email emails and passwords will be kept on the cloud um, and your executor would know how to access that. Um, there's There's different ways. The important thing is to understand that there's some sort of mechanism, there's some sort of process in place to help the executor or also help your families in case of an unexpected emergency. Because, you know, in, in, intensive care is no place to find out that there's no will and you don't know what to do. And I can assure you, you can't have a meaningful conversation when somebody's on a on a ventilator. So you want to make sure that you've got things in place that you can help your executor and also make it easier on your family so they're not left disorganized and in chaos. Because that's what's going to come, you know, if there's an unexpected death or if there's a sickness, there's going to be chaos and the family's going to be left disorganized. So you need to figure out what am I going to do to make it easier on them? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I'm just taking a couple of notes here <laughs> as you speak. Um, yeah, and I want to back up to something else that you said that I think is super important about the family meeting is uh, for people to express their reasons for doing something is I think sometimes that does help. You're going to have some people that that doesn't resonate with uh, for any number of reasons, but for a lot of people, you know, at least say, you know, e even though they may not get it in the moment, it may help later on if they understand the reason or they may actually accept the reason. Um, you know, so I, th I, I think that's a super important point you made. It's, it's, they may not accept the what you're saying, and you know again not instead of delaying it or not doing it at all and letting the paperwork do the the talking. It's better that you have the conversations. Again, it's an ongoing process. It's not going to be let's do it at Thanksgiving and then we're done with it. We're never going to bring it up again. You know, you might you know bring it up. You might bring it up with um, Thanksgiving, you know, a couple of days later, maybe at Christmas, holidays, family vacation. Anytime there's a get together, take a couple hours apart and say, you know what, just want to bring up to date what's going on. Um, as much as you and I are having this conversation and saying, well, you know what, you know, it's great to have these conversations because conversations do matter. Recently, I was interviewing a, a an estate lawyer who deals in inheritance planning and he's been over 40 years he's been doing this and part of his service was you know he'll do the will and get everything organized set up the trust and whatever else needs in terms of the estate planning for the testator person who's uh who's writing the will whose estate it is and part of that service was to also talk on their behalf have the family meeting with the uh family to let them know what's been drawn up and how it's going to go and, and what the wishes are. And he said that, you know, over 40 years, he's done, you know, be conservative, maybe thousands of wills and, and you know, and, and uh, trusts. And over those thousands, 
He's probably done, use that part of the service, which is already paid for. It's part of what he does. He's probably only done it eight times because people are afraid when it comes to the family, money and family, it it's 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 uncomfortable. People don't know how to handle it. Even if they had a third person, third party explaining what they want, people are still uncomfortable with it. And it's it, it's got to be an ongoing process. It's uncomfortable. But uh, in my case, even, you know, I remember the day my parents were in my office getting their will done. and But I wasn't in the room when they were doing it. And I'd sat in the room with hundreds of clients, you know, you know, on their behalf, asking questions, things I didn't think about. But when it came to my mom and dad, I couldn't do it. I couldn't fathom talking about their death, talking about when they're no longer going to be here. And I wasn't, and that's one of my biggest mistakes. I wasn't there. But again, I can get it where people are uncomfortable. So you need to figure out yeah. how we're going to make the, get the conversations to, uh, to work. I mean, do you feel it would have been better if you, if your mom had the conversation with you and your, your sister, I guess, I don't know if you have other siblings as well. Do you think that was how was your 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 relationship with her today? Um, yeah, I, I I think the conversation if we'd had a conversation that would have been much more helpful. Uh, you know, it it may not have solved everything, but it would help with some of the issues, and I think it would have smoothed things a little bit um, to know the intent and to clear up some of the confusion. Um, that, that was part of it is, you know, in my mind, a lot of communication comes down to confusion and people not being clear on things. And, you know, and you can't go back and ask the parent after they've passed away, or as you mentioned, on a ventilator, you know, well, is this what you meant? You know, because that's the thing is words will say specific things, but they don't provide that context and the full meaning and intent unless somebody writes out a novel about, you know, which right. isn't going to happen about their wishes. Did, you know, maybe it's you, like in the you, movies where you have that video. Did did your sister resent that you were executor and she, she wasn't a co-executor? I think that may have been part of it, you know, and human nature and psychology play a huge factor in this. Um, you know, that's, you know, I don't know if that was a, how it worked with you and your siblings. But, but your that, mom probably, I think that but was your mom had a reason question. why she chose you and not you and her together. There has to be a reason. The only thing is she didn't explain to her why she picked you. Exactly. And I think also, you know, um, also if everybody has a role in it, that does help. Even if, you know, even if it's like you're the assistant executor or something, you know, I, I don't know what you could actually do, but I believe that that way everybody is part of the process and that may help is even though somebody is. But the I, I, I got to stop you there. If you, if you, I got, I got to stop you there because if you say, well, you know what, I will name, and, and that's a lot of problem uh, a lot of parents will do is that they'll name, say they have three kids and they're going to name all three kids uh, executors which means nothing can get done unless there's three signatures on everything. Now say one lives in the city and two others are around the world or somewhere else, that's going to hold up the process. 
And there has to be a lot of cooperation going on. So in my case, I had to renounce myself because the other sibling who was giving the most trouble, I just said to my sister, okay, I'll renounce. Just let me know what's going on. You don't need my signature anymore. And the two of you take care of it. Even though there was that animosity and I knew I should be in on it, it didn't really matter. I just wanted to keep the process uh, going forward. So choosing more than one executor just to appease everybody it's it's also a sort of a, a double-edged sword that you have to think long and hard about, but can be alleviated by having that conversation. This is the reason why I chose Tony, and because he's you know he's got a sense for business. There's a lot of administrative stuff. He lives in town, for whatever the reason. Again, they may or may not like it. It's your mom's estate. You can do anything you want, but. Parents, being who they are, they they want to see peace and harmony in in the family, and that's why a lot of times they'll just um, avoid the, the the topic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you know a natural human reaction. So you know, David, um, I know we didn't get to a couple of things we planned to talk about, but you know, um, you know, to, to wrap up, I want to make sure that I ask you, you know, what is your number one tip on financial wellness? is to, well, when it comes in the context of what we've been talking about is that you got to remember that a legacy isn't what you leave people, but how you leave them. So what you need to do is prepare your, make sure you have an estate and don't leave your family disorganized and in chaos and prepare your executor and make it as easy as on them as possible so that they can get the job done and settle the estate as, as quickly as possible, pay the taxes and pay off the beneficiaries, and uh, hopefully keep the family together. That's great. That's that's a wonderful tip. I I, I like how you phrase that. Um, you know, so where can people find out more about you? You know, on my website, I will be posting links to the book at your website. But you know, is your website a great place? Are you on LinkedIn, Facebook? All of my <laughs> social media contacts are on my website at davidedy.com. On there, I've got free resources, um, checklist if you're your name to be an executor. So maybe you want to put that in the, the bright red folder um, uh, so that, you know, here's a checklist of things I've got to do. I've got a quiz on there. What kind of family are you? This way you can figure out what kind of family you are and what should be your steps going forward. You can purchase my book. at All, um, all the links are there to all the online retailers. And you can drop me a line if you have any questions. And there's a, you know, there's a link to my podcast. So everything you need to know um, and find out about, you know, again, learning about to leave a legacy and not a legacy in a mess is um, what you'll find on my website. Fantastic. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today. Tony, this was an extreme uh, honor and um Hopefully you can do this again down sometime down in the future. Yeah, I think there's a lot more we could talk about. So we made an unexciting topic well worth talking about. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Tony Stewart podcast. Until next time.